The Last Word with Matt Cooper. We are joined by the Minister for Environment, Climate, Communications and Transport, the Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, to answer your questions. Eamon, thank you very much for being with us. During the 5 of 5, Ben told us about this new survey today about the price of a brand new electric vehicle being more than €64,500 and having gone up 13% in last year. The average cost of a one to four-year-old EV is now €42,500, 10% higher. Lots of listener comments coming in about this in questions. One says, uh, recently in the Irish Times, a reader wrote in to say that they've been quoted €19,000 to replace the battery in their electric car. The car was not very old. I believe that in future cars will all become like mobile phones. They'll all be part of the electronic waste and will constitute a huge problem in the future. What does the Minister think about this and are there any plans in place to reduce this problem? And just before you get to that, another listener says, do you think electric cars are a scam? Why are they so expensive? They have less moving parts than the diesel or petrol car. If any are a product performed as badly compared to what is advertised, will we buy it? None of the cars do the distance that they're advertised. And then another one says, why in the name of God is the government reducing the grant for EVs and increasing the price by double for public charging? It's now double to charge my car at my house and please don't say it's still good for the environment because I'm getting crushed by the price. It's like the encouragement diesel was given by the government in the noughties and we all bought in and got nailed. Minister, electric vehicles, what's the future of them? It has to be lower cost and it will be. Uh, They are going to take over in in the private car market and indeed the vans and indeed trucks. Increasingly looks like everything's going to be electrified because it is better technology. I met the chief executive of Volkswagen Cars Worldwide last week. He's here in Dublin and he made that point. He says, this is inevitable. They're better cars and either we adapt very quickly switching than we in Europe or else uh, we lose out. We'll be buying Chinese cars. And they in their, their, he talked about their kind of development of the likes of an ID2, which, you know, this ID3, ID4 range that they will be looking at a cheaper cost. I was also in China in March this year and there met a lot of the Chinese companies, which are similarly making now the companies like BYD, which are going to be introducing cars into Europe and they will be cheaper. There's, they're all, all the manufacturers are starting to look at lower cost vehicles that are introduced this year. This year, the BYD... You think prices will start falling for electric vehicles this year? Because we've heard they're up 13% over the last year. The price in the last year have gone up very high, not just in electric vehicles, but a lot of components. It's driven by a variety of factors. Firstly, car companies couldn't get the semiconductors, and there's a lot of semiconductors in the car now to manage the information systems. The price of steel went up dramatically, and the price of transporting everything. A year ago... The cost of sending a container by ship from Asia to Europe was up to about 18,000, whereas it had been 1,800. Now, that's come down again, and some of those inflationary pressures will start to reduce, but that's the reason why it's got so expensive. But if anyone thinks it's actually going in the other direction, I think they'd they'd be mistaken. We've about 25% of our new cars now are electric. Uh, About 17, I think, if I recall, are fully electric. The others are plug-in hybrid. Um, But they are better cars. They have much, as one of your listeners said, that sort of much fewer uh, running parts. They are, the fuel cost is still, even with the high electricity prices, lower and the maintenance cost is lower because the engines are better engines. They've less, they've, they've better torque and they've better characteristics in terms of running. Why reduce the grants for them? Because we need to start to increase. We're increasing 100 million spend on the public charging infrastructure. because Which that is actually, now also more expensive for people to use. Well, because the price of electricity is high, but that too will come down. That's been driven up by the price of gas, but that will reduce next year, uh, the end of this year and into next year. 
Uh, but it was really important that particularly for those households, in my mind, in areas where you can't easily charge at home, that we do need a good public charging infrastructure. But 80% of our charging is done at home. That's really beneficial. It really helps us in terms of managing our electricity grid system and so on. But we do need to provide for those who can't. And that is a significant public investment we're making. And there's still a very large support, something like €7,500 taken off the price of EVs. If Sorry, particularly the lower cost EVs. When it comes to the government subsidising or support, what you mentioned there, kind of very expensive cars and the likes of six to five thousand or more, uh, there we have reduced the grant and uh, changed the conditions to try and support those cheaper vehicles more. What is the state doing, though, to provide enough EV charges and particularly state bodies? Because this may be a little bit left field, but this listener says, I'm living in Kerry, but ask about the EV charges at Dublin Airport. There aren't enough. I've been told by the DAA not to drive my electric car to park there because more than likely the few charges they have will be in use. I would agree with them. I don't think there are enough charging points in Dublin Airport and I've said that to the airport and I think we do need to change that. Uh, and, and, and actually, if you turn around the other way, we also need to put more charging points in the likes of the end of the peninsulas in Kerry, you know, the likes of Dingle or Kenmare or, or Ballybunion, all those points in the network, which in a sense are the destination point. That's also where we need to invest so that not just tourists, but local people, but particularly people maybe visiting that they can drive down to Dingle confident that they can drive back off the peninsula. And I think we need both charging points in Dublin Airport and in the periphery in in those um, areas of Ireland. Well, sorry, we also need them in urban areas where you can't drive in your own uh, yard and so on if you're in a terraced house or if you're in an apartment. But those three, I think, destination points, community points, and uh, particularly rural, uh, more isolated areas, we need charge. And that's why we're spending 200 million on it. And that, I think, is more important for EV drivers to make sure they have that network rather than just keeping the grant the same forever and a day. Actually, just staying on the issue of transport, roads. And the listener wanted to know, when is the Limerick to Cork motorway going to be built? It has been revised or reviewed by Transport Infrastructure Ireland. How many times has it been reviewed? This has been promised for decades now and is constantly in a position of review. They are. It is, but it is being progressed. It's part of the National Development Plan and they are looking at the finer detailed design now and have to go through the planning process. Our planning system takes time and our public procurement system takes time. Too long in my mind and I'm working with the Department of Public Expenditure and with the Minister of Housing to look to see can we shorten and reduce some of those timelines because it does take too long to build things in this country. We're doing that by investing in Borpanola. They've now backed a full complement of 15 board members. They're given all the staff requirements that they've been asking for. Um, And I think similarly, particularly on the transport side, what I'm saying to the Department of Public Expenditure and others is that we need to shorten the public, all these decision gates we go go through. But that's where the the N20 or M20, they have to decide finally whether it's motorway section or national upgrade national road. And in my mind, in looking at that... Sorry, is it really feasible that the second and third cities of the Republic would not be connected by motorway? I think the much I Edgar Morganrath. I don't know if you Edgar from from, the, from, yeah, from DCU, DCU, a brilliant economist, uh, particularly good in transport economics. He makes the case that to really get Limerick and Cork to develop, 
we should be developing into public transport systems in both cities. And we're doing that. We're building a metropolitan rail system in Cork. We're doing the same in Limerick. We're reopening the Foynes line as we speak. And I think we should not stop there. We need bus connects in both Cork and Limerick. And we need to take what, particularly in Limerick, we have four existing rail lines which have been underutilised. So investing in those and really making Limerick grow and Cork the same so I think, yes, we need to upgrade the road between Cork and Limerick. Particularly, we need to take the traffic out of places like Charleville, Buttevant. We need to improve the safety performance on the road. That's all absolutely agreed. But the first priority in my mind to see Limerick and Cork grow, and we need that to happen to be a counterbalance to, to Dublin, is massive investment in the public transport system in those cities. That's what will really make, make a difference and change things. Well, just sticking to the issue of cars and roads, uh, there's also a question from a listener. Four of the top five cars sold in Ireland last year were petrol and diesel guzzling SUVs. Are you considering a special SUV tax? Well, we've changed. In the last three years in this government, there was a significant change. Both the vehicle registration tax, the VRT, uh, and the motor tax were all changed very significantly to try and disincentivize the purchase of very large cars, which have real, dis- there's real difficulties with that in terms of the amount of emissions, but also the safety issues. If you're hit by a very large car, it's it's more, con- it's, it's more much more serious uh, and also space issues in our towns and cities and so on. So the top three bans saw a very significant increase in the tax in the VRT. And then we used that to lower the cost on the smaller, lighter vehicle. So it was a rebalancing rather than a punitive thing. Their sale of SUVs is still continuing. Some half our vehicles. It typically tends to be in the slightly smaller bands beneath those very very heavy bands. But we'll that's something we look at in the budget and, and we do need to make the switch. Um I mean, as a country, we don't make cars. We we get real benefit from them, but we have to be careful that we don't uh, put ourselves in a position where we're importing hugely expensive and very polluting and very uh, cars that have an impact on our urban landscape and our people, that they kind of, that they're, everyone goes for a bigger, bigger car. You end up like America, where it's it's kind of half ton or it's large trucks people are driving around in. And, and I do think it makes sense for us as a small island without that motoring manufacturing industry to instead focus on on getting a really good uh, uh, public transport system and road car system, which is not so expensive and so heavy. I know you cycle yourself, uh, but do you have a family car? And yeah. if so what type of car is it? It's an ID3, a Volkswagen. Yeah. So it's an electric car, electric fully car. electric. Yeah. OK. Uh, another one here that's come in from a listener. Could the bike to work scheme be changed to accommodate the unemployed, the self-employed, and the retired in society as they're currently excluded unfairly from the scheme as it operates. Could a separate non-revenue-based scheme be funded? We're looking at that and, and there is an issue. Now, the, the bike truck scheme has been very successful, so we'd be careful not to kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater. And it is difficult to apply, you know, the same provisions to either a social welfare system. But I believe one of the ways we can look at this, or we are looking at this, and hope you come back in the budget on this, is to look at the likes possibly of the SUSE grants or some sort of mechanism where students, as an, as a way of broadening the the kind of incentive to 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 help people start cycling and uh, and get cycling. So we are looking at measures to broaden that out, which don't jettison what is the good aspect of the existing scheme. OK, there's loads of comments and questions flying in. Just going back to the Limerick to Cork issue, as one person says, you can't even get a direct train from Limerick to Cork. It's actually longer to get the train than to drive by road, which even with the road as it is, which defeats the purpose. 
I agree and, and that was one of the options that was being looked at and, and we are there'll be a strategic rail view which is looking at the whole national rail network which we will have to publish to, to do a sustainable environmental assessment in July and I think included in that we're going to look at you know how could we improve the rail connectivity between Cork and Limerick and, and a whole range of other different projects. Another listener wants to know when is the Galway bypass being built given that it was promised years ago? Well the Galway bypass ran into a problem which was that there hadn't been due consideration taken of the Climate Action Plan and the need to reduce emissions. And in Borpanol, I suppose, in assessing the project, recognised that that's something that they could no longer ignore. So they will have to, in conjunction with the NTA and the Galway City Council and County Council, uh, review the whole transport system of Galway, in my mind, to make sure that what we build and what we develop is really fit for the future and and uh, and they, so the motorway is going to have to be considered within that. Uh, and I think what that then brings into question, going back to what you're saying about how long it takes, and it is true, it's, it, this very these very projects have been a long time in existence, but there are projects we can build quickly. I mean, I'll be going down to Galway on Friday to open the Salmonweir Bridge, which is a new bridge across the Carib there just by the cathedral, if people know it. We have a project before in Borpanola, which is a cross-city route, which will really dramatically change the traffic system in Galway to allow really better quality bus corridor and also for walking and cycling to get across the city. Galway has a, has a fundamental problem of kind of a lot of people living in one half of the city, working in the other half. And I think rather than, uh, well, we have to look at that issue, but the wider transport issue and the wider transport plans. But we can deliver that cross-city route quickly. It's one of the 35 Pathfinder projects we have, which we're looking, committing to develop by 2025. And if a council can't deliver that in that time, we're going to pull the finance and deliver to another council which can. And I think it's it's speed is what's needed now. And in Galway, the likes of that cross-city route, which really would take you through Air Square and out the Dublin Road with a really high quality, high speed new bus corridor route, that can be done quickly at very low cost and starts to think differently about how we how we see Galway developing. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.